Well, I'm going to continue uh, the series that Pastor Marty started last week. It's called Timeless Christmas. And if you remember, he spoke on Christmas possibilities, uh, specifically the possibility of knowing God, knowing God's voice, and knowing God's kingdom. And I love how God does things, because before I even knew what Pastor Marty was going to speak about, God gave me this message to speak to you today, and I feel like it dovetails beautifully into uh, the same vein. And so what I'm going to be talking to you about today is timeless Christmas, Christmas purpose. Christmas purpose. So how many of you know that Jesus came to give you purpose? You know that? He came to save us and give us eternal life, but he also came to give us purpose, to give us destiny, to give us hope, right? Um, how many of you feel right now, it's a rhetorical question just to get you thinking, but how, how many of you feel right now that you're living out your God-given purpose? Um, I would venture to say that most of us aren't sure. You know, most of us struggle with that. And so if that is a question that you have or have had recently or are contemplating, you came to church on a great day because that's what we're going to talk about today, all right? I want to start with an illustration I heard, and I'm kind of borrowing it from uh, Bethel. The uh, CFO, Stephen Silva. I heard a message that he preached here a couple months back, and I made a note of this illustration, and I didn't know what I was preaching about at the time, but I was so hopeful that I could somehow find a way to work it into this message, and God answered my prayer. So uh, with that, a local pastor had a God dream three nights in a row. How many have ever had a God dream? Usually they're really vivid. And you could really remember details. That was the case for this guy. Um, remembered everything about it when he would wake up. But every time he woke up, he would, he would feel disturbed, just consternated, just frustrated. And so in the dream, he'd find himself standing at the threshold of the very throne room of God. And he had this experience and this feeling of excitement because he could see inside there was Jesus sitting on his throne. He had regal robes wrapped around him. He had the crown on his head. There was thundering and lightning and flashing. Angels were going to and fro. They were bowing down, singing holy, holy, holy. It was an awe-inspiring sight. And in a moment, all of that activity came to a hush. And Jesus looked across at him, held his hand out, and said, Son, come to me. And as you can imagine, his excitement that his Savior was now looking directly at him and bidding him to come. And so he takes a deep breath. He takes his first step towards the throne. And then he realizes very suddenly that he's a cat. This is disturbing to him, <laughs> as it would be to many of us. But he says, you know what? This is not going to miss my moment. And so he takes off across the floor of the throne room. As he's walking, he's thinking to himself, okay, I'm a cat, so how in the world do I express my love and my adoration to my father? This is going to be difficult. And so he thinks as he goes over and he decides, you know, I guess I'll just do what cats do. And so he decided, I'm just going to kind of purr and rub up against his leg and just you know, show the Lord my love and my, my affection that way. And so he goes and he does that, and as he is, the Lord reaches down. Just as the man looks up, and the Lord puts his hand on him, and he thinks, wow, I've got an intimate one-on-one -on -one moment with my father. This is, it couldn't get any better than this. And so Jesus goes to pet him, but he pets him from tail to head. If you know anything about cats, that's not comfortable. And so he pets him a second time, and the man, like, okay, that's, all right, and then a third time, a little firmer, and it causes the man to go, ouch, and he wakes up out of his dream. Confused, he's like, okay, what in the world, Lord, is that all about? Like, so the next day he spends time, he gets on Google. He's Googling cats, petting them backwards. Um, he's Googling the throne of God, all the symbols, the signs, the elements. He's doing everything he can do. He calls friends of his. He calls uh, coworkers. He's anybody he can think of to try to help him figure out what this means. I and mean, they got nothing. No one has a clue. So he goes to sleep that night. Same exact dream. Threshold of heaven, uh, of the throne room. Takes a step inside. Still a cat. Walks across. Jesus reaches his down. Reaches down. Pets him. One time. 
two times, three times, and he wakes up. The next day, he makes an appointment with his pastor, he's like, and he starts to fast, and he's praying. And everything that he can think of to try to get some clarity on what this vision that God gave him means. Lord, please show me. The pastor's got nothing. Talked to, talked to him for two hours. Couldn't, couldn't get a sliver of insight. So that night, he goes back to sleep again. Same dream. Threshold of heaven. Takes a step in. Yep, still a cat. Walks across the floor to the Lord. The Lord reaches down. He pets him one time, two times. Three times, this time he doesn't wake up. Four times, five times, and then the Lord pauses. In that moment, the man looks up, and he realizes the Lord is waiting on him. He looks down. The man thinks, this is my chance. I can ask him the question. And so he takes a breath. He looks up, and he goes, meow, 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 meow. <laughs> Luckily, the Lord speaks cat. So the Lord goes, Meow, meow, meow. <laughs> and translated, the man just simply asked, Lord, what's this all about? I don't understand it. And the Lord, in his infinite wisdom and love, looks down at him and just says simply, Son, turn around. <laughs> Some of you are just starting to get it. We have to adjust to God. God doesn't adjust to us. If he had turned around, you see, the petting would have been in the appropriate direction, right? We adjust to God. So what I'm going to be talking to you about today is purpose, is receiving the gift of purpose, but turn around to pursue it. Stop looking and facing and running the wrong direction. Amen? Amen. I like definitions because they really help kind of zero in, but purpose, simply defined is the reason for which something is created or why something exists. Right? Simple enough. Pastor Marty's taught on this before, but God created us because he wanted us. You remember that? When someone creates something, take an artist, an inventor, uh, what have you, when they create something, if you've ever, say you've ever painted or you've ever played music or sang, when you did those things, why did you do them? Because you wanted the product. You wanted the outcome. You wanted the painting. You wanted the song. You wanted the gadget, whatever it was that you created, right? God's the same way. He creates everyone with purpose. He didn't create you just because he was bored or because he had nothing better to do at the time. Every single one of us is created with a God-breathed, God-inspired, specific purpose. Amen? That's what we're going to really explore today. Um, if you don't know already, how many here want to truly know why you're on the planet? I think that's all of our heart cry, isn't it? Don't we all want to just know why I'm here, right? You picked a great day to come to church. Um, God's been really kind of bubbling us up inside me for quite some time. I just couldn't figure out how to articulate it. And so when this opportunity came, it it became clear. Um, Our church, you know, our tagline even is connecting people to purpose. And you've probably been at churches before where they had, you know, sayings or they had slogans or things like that. Um, And and those are are all well and good. Uh, Ours was very intentional because from the outset of the church, the whole idea of what we wanted Pathway to represent was a place where people could come and let us help them connect to their purpose. Let us help you connect to your destiny. Because God predestined it. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But he set it in motion before you were born. And our responsibility as we see it here is to do everything in our power to help you take that next step towards your purpose. You see that? All right, so that's what we're going to talk about. Point number one is going to seem a little bit obvious, but go with me here, if you will, okay? Uh, it's uh, Point number one, Jesus had a purpose. And before you say, duh, Mark, I think we can all agree that Jesus had a purpose, right? But, but just hang with me. I'm going to bring this all around full circle. Jesus was predestined with purpose. His birth and ministry on the earth 
most scholars and theologians believe there's varying numbers depending on who you look up, but but all of them are pretty much in alignment that there was at least 350 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled by coming to the earth. The odds of one man being able to fulfill 350 previous prophecies on his own, some of them seven, 800 years ahead of his birth, is astronomical. And I saw the number one time, but basically for, for reference, it's like a one, a zero, and then there's like a gazillion zeros. It's just, it's an astronomical odds that one man could fulfill all of that. Just a couple of those, Micah 5.2 But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. Isaiah, more than 740 years before Jesus' birth, prophesied, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. One of the beautiful things I like about that scripture that God kind of pointed out to me this last couple of weeks is that not only does this scripture prophesy Jesus' purpose and his birth, but it also prophesies Mary's. And when I was studying this, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I felt so strongly that I should emphasize it that I want to kind of do that here if you'll give me a little levity. Um, when we look at scripture, Mary's recorded life inside of the context of the gospel, really all you see a picture of is her identity as a mother, right? One of the things I feel like God wanted me to really reach out to in this moment was for all of you mothers, especially single mothers um, and stay-at-home moms, our culture tends to put a lot of negative pressure Um, there's an inherent kind of felt pressure about your significance being related to a job or a vocation or something outside the home. And what I want you to hear today is that your part of your purpose and your mission on this planet, don't take that for granted. My wife gave me permission to share this, but uh, she and I made a decision before we started having kids that she was going to stay home with the kiddos when the time came. And one year after Jackson was born, the time came. And we made the difficult decision, because it's a sacrifice. If you've ever done that, it's a sacrifice. Um, but we made that decision knowing that God gave us that picture. Um, this certainly isn't meant to, if, you're, if you do have you know, both of you working out of the home, this isn't, this isn't directed at condemnation or anything. This is just, um, as we're, we're speaking about purpose, I felt this was very zeroed in on stay-at-home moms, single moms, okay? Um, don't place your value in what you feel like other people see in you. The, the reward and the reaping of what you are sowing in this time may not be able to be quite seen yet, but there is a day that you will see it. And keep in mind, purpose has stages, right? So Elena struggled with this because she, she with some very well-meaning people who weren't trying to be hurtful, saying things and inferring things and making comments, must be nice to stay home. Um, some of those things that, again, they weren't trying to intentionally hurt her, but she took that very personally. And she made a, a judgment against herself that wasn't truth. And I'm here to tell you today that that judgment isn't coming from God. It's coming from the enemy. And he wants to take away and hide your purpose from you. Do not devalue that purpose. Okay? Mary, yes, she raised the Savior of the world. But you're raising a world changer, or world changers. So don't ever take that for granted. Amen? Jesus was born into our world with purpose. John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
there obviously there's a whole lot of scriptures I could pull into this, but for the sake of time um, and lunch impending, I'm going to defer that. Jesus fulfilled his earthly purpose. Could we all agree? All right, John 3.16, the scripture that you all know, gives us that picture. For God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus held up his end of the bargain, right? He fulfilled his purpose. He was predestined, right? We talked about the prophecies. God sent prophets, prophecies through prophets, to prophesy Jesus' birth and assignment on the earth. Jesus received that purpose when he stepped into the, on, onto our soil, and he made a determination to live out his purpose, and he successfully accomplished it. Would you agree? Why is all this important, Mark? You know, so a lot of this we've learned in Sunday school. It's important because Jesus wasn't just our Savior. That's, that's the thing, right? We can all agree that that is the highest calling that he had, was to bring us the gift of salvation. But Jesus also was our forerunner. He was our roadmap. He set the blueprint for how we should live our lives, didn't he? And so by virtue of that, take a look real quickly at 1 John 2, 5 through 6, kind of underlines this point. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. What does that say? We're to follow after the example that Jesus set for us. So if we put all that together, what does that mean? If Jesus was predestined with a purpose, if he stepped into the earth and accepted his purpose and fulfilled his purpose, what does that say about you and I? That we are predestined with purpose. God does everything in order and patterns. He makes it easy for us because sometimes we need it, right? You have a predestined purpose. When you were born, the, the platform was made for you to have an opportunity to receive it. And then it's ultimately up to us to, to make the choice to live it out, to embrace it, to receive that gift of purpose that we're talking about today. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's dig into that. Point number two, you have a purpose. You have a God-given, unique, only to you, specific, special purpose. Of all the people that have ever lived, all the people that ever will live, and all the people that are living right now, you are the only one that will ever be on the planet that has the assignment and the purpose and the calling that you have assigned to you. Can you receive that? It's truth. You're the only one. If you don't carry out your purpose, then God's full picture of grace, full picture of truth, full fulfillment of his kingdom and all the things that it contains can't be fully expressed. And that's not a condemning statement. That's just the reality. Like we, we so much want you to walk in the middle of your God-given purpose. Can you imagine, guys, if... This church or any church for that matter, if all of us here were all living in the dead middle of exactly what our, our intended purposes are, can you imagine what that would look like? Can you imagine what God could do through a body of people connected to purpose that way? That's the picture I want you to embrace. That's what I want you to settle in your heart for each of you. We all have to do our part, right? We can't make a decision for anyone else. The only person that can invalidate purpose is you. The enemy can't invalidate it. The devil can't take it away from you, right? You are responsible. You have the choice. Um, if you look at world religion, a couple of notable ones, you know, Islam and, and the Hindu religion, they practice something and they believe something as a core of their belief system called fatalism, the fates, that you have no control over your outcome. Basically what it says is, you are set in motion, all the things you're going to do, ever will do, 
when you're going to die. All, all those decisions were made. You have no control over them. That's what, that, that's what they believe. That's why they have the caste system and all of that garbage that goes along with it. Conversely, what Jesus provided, what God set in motion for us, is similar in that he set us all up to have a purpose and put that in our heart. But the difference is we have a choice. The reason is because he doesn't want robots. We've talked about this before. God wanted primarily two things. He wanted us to choose him because we love him. And he wants to embrace our purpose and fulfill it so that we can express that love to him and his creation. Those are the two things, the two major things. And if we'll, if we'll accept that and understand that we are significant, that we have a place, we are special, we have an assignment, and, and begin to really get that deep down in our heart and our spirit, it'll change everything you do. It'll change how you see yourself. It'll change how you see other people. Amen? I don't often uh, do like word study, Greek study, like Marty does quite a lot around here. I think he's rubbing off on me. Um, but one of the words that I really wanted to highlight is uh, the word in the Greek for predestined. It's proorizo. That's how it's pronounced. And I had to work on that, so appreciate your uh, appreciation for that hard work. <laughs> Proorizo. I just want to say it again. Um, but it means to determine beforehand, to ordain, to decide upon ahead of time. So with that in mind, listen to these two scriptures. Romans eight twenty nine through 30. For those God foreknew, he also predestined determined beforehand, ordained, decided upon ahead of time, to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, uh, determined beforehand, ordained, to decide upon ahead of time, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Ephesians 1, 5 and 11 he predestined us to be adopted. He determined beforehand. He ordained. He decided upon ahead of time to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure. In other words, his choice because he wanted to. It was in his heart to do so and his will. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. That verse preaches itself. Amen? He predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters because of his goodwill, because he wanted our relationship with us. Amen? You were born into the world with a purpose. It may be concealed. Maybe you haven't quite seen it or understand it. But I'm here to tell you today that if you haven't, to this point, been able to, to see it or, or even understand that it's there, I'm here to tell you that it is. I love this passage. I think it, it says it better than I ever could. But Psalms 139, 13 through 16 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I love verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. Isn't that beautiful? It's truth. This applies to every single one of us. Fearfully in that passage indicates that God took extreme and very great care when he created you. Wonderfully means he made you spectacular, surprisingly fine or excellent. And marvelous says you were astonishingly outstanding. Isn't that good? But that's 100% of you. All right, it's not just the parts that we think are okay. 
It's not just the parts that the people around us think are all right. Because here's what I've noticed. I've been, you know, I grew up in a pastor's home, my grandfather's church before that, you know, my brother's a pastor, been around church a long time. What I have seen and what this really kind of highlighted to me, a lot of times what we do, and I've done this too, I'm guilty, when there's something that's special about you or different that you don't understand or that maybe other people don't understand, we hide it because it's different. Anybody been guilty of that? Maybe that's a part of your purpose. All right? Just because other people don't get it, or other people think you're quirky, or other people think you're goofy, or whatever that looks like, that doesn't mean that that part of you is invalid. Okay? And what I have seen and what I have personally experienced, I went through a season in my life where I did a lot of hiding of the things that God gave me because I didn't I didn't understand them. I didn't get them. And God took me through a season of helping me pull those things back out and see them through his eyes and not through my own and certainly not through the eyes of other people. How many have been guilty of suppressing yourself or the things that make you unique or special because someone else said something hurtful or because somebody else pointed at it and made fun of it or because you just didn't understand it yourself? Um, I have a son who's 14, and if you've ever been around Jackson... He's kind of that high-five kid that um, he's the kid on the basketball court that's patting everybody's butt and giving them high-fives, <laughs> and, uh, and I love that about him. But we had a conversation recently. He, had, uh, he wasn't being bullied, but he'd had some uh, friends that had said some pretty hurtful things to him. I don't even know if he completely got maybe what they were getting at, uh, but it, it concerned him, and he wanted to talk to me about it. So we were talking it through. And I just told him, I said, bud, people are going to say things. We live in a society that um, you know, people, they don't always filter what they're saying. A lot of times people will say things because of their own fears or their own insecurities. Um, and what I, what I was able to kind of talk through with him in that moment and express to him was that that doesn't matter. You keep being you. Right? Don't let anyone else or anything else on the planet take away from who you are. Because, and he's one of those kids too that we'll watch, we've been watching a movie, you know, one of the like Courageous or uh, one of those, I, I, there's a recent one, I can't remember the title of it, but it was a really emotional story about a football player. And I look over there and he is just crying his eyes out. And he's like, Dad, that one got me. <laughs> Um, but one thing I had to watch earlier in his life is because he was very sensitive is if I, if I would say something a little harsh or if something would happen to him like on the baseball field if he struck out he would get you know, real emotional about it and I, would, I was telling him suck it up you know? and then God spoke to me one day he's like look that's, that's part of who I made him to be and I had to apologize to him um, but that's kind of a, an underscore to all of us parents that Society tries to mold us all into what they think we should be. And if, if we allow it, it will take away from what God's called our kids to be. Amen? Let them be them. And all of its awkward glory. <laughs> Let them be them. Amen? Amen? God had a plan for you before you could even step into it, and only you can keep you from it. Think about, I think Marty talked about uh, Moses last week. Um, one of the neat things about Moses' story is that he, was, he could have been eaten by crocodiles in the Nile. Um, he could have been uh, pursued and killed due to Pharaoh's decision to, to kill all of the kids of that certain age uh, group in that time period. God has a sense of humor because not only did he cause Pharaoh's daughter to raise the eventual leader of the nation of Israel from Egyptian captivity, but he, he paid Moses' mom to do it. So God, God will accomplish his purpose however he wants to. Um, the thing that I want to stress to you in that example is that 
you're here for a reason. If you have made it to this point, it's because God still has work left to be done through you. Moses was protected by the Lord until the time for him to be released and fulfill his purpose. I didn't know this till I read this uh, in study, but when Moses stepped into his calling to lead the nation of Israel out of Egyptian captivity, he was 80. So if you're not quite 80, you're in great shape. Now, if you are 80, we got plenty of time. Look, you know, Moses didn't step into it until very late in life. And the, the, the underlining kind of theme that I want you to see from this point is that uh, no matter what's happened in your past, no matter what wrong direction you took, no matter how far you ran, uh, no matter how hard you ran, no matter how ugly your life looked prior to today, the beautiful thing about God and his grace is that one prayer, you're one prayer away, turn around and let him put you on course and your purpose and destiny. You see that? One prayer away. We all ultimately have the choice to live out our destiny and our purpose. It's up to us, though. We got to make the choice. It's never too late. Say, it's never too late. It's never too late, guys. No matter how bad you think you've been, no matter how ugly the journey's been, how many have messed up really big before? All right, some of you are lying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you another chance. How many have messed up before? That's better. Okay. <laughs> we've all screwed up. We've all made mistakes. We've all had things happen or done things we wish we could take back. Guess what? God's in the forgiven business. He wants a relationship with you, and he wants you to live out your purpose. So with that in mind, point number three is choose to live out your purpose. It's up to us. God gave us free will, right? So he gave us free will because he wanted relationship with you and I. He wanted you and I to choose him, not because of any other reason except motivation of love out of our heart for him, right? He also wants us to choose our purpose because it's something that he individually crafted for you, that he's been holding and waiting to release and to give you. Amen? So I like to do, offer you some practical things, all right? So this next few items is going to be some things that if you are seeking your purpose, if you want to, to dig a little deeper and you want to explore that, here's some things that you can either consider or do. You ready? Ready? ready. Okay, good. Still with me. Some of these lights are bright, and it's kind of hard to tell, so I just like to hear voices every now and then. Number one, stop looking for it in the wrong places. How many have ever looked for your purpose or your identity in the wrong places? I think we could all, all say that. One of the examples, I've preached about it before. We've actually taught about uh, her quite a bit. What's the woman at the well? And here's a lady who was doing her best to try to find her purpose and find her identity in relationships. Um, she had worked at that point through you know, five marriages. She was living with someone that wasn't her husband at the time. And she was, that's an evidence of that searching. She had a hole in her heart that she couldn't fill, and she was trying to find that completion um, and find her value or identity inside of relationships. What Jesus offered her that day at the well was living water that would fill the void and set her on course to a completely different destiny and purpose. And the, the Bible doesn't give us that picture, but I'd be willing to bet that if we could follow that, that lady from that journey, from that interaction with Jesus um, to her eventual you know, end, I would bet, because you don't have an intimate encounter, divine setup type and, you know, conversation or visitation from Jesus and, and not leave changed, right? I would bet that maybe when we get to heaven, we can ask you know, the Lord where she's at and get her story. But I would bet that it's very different from her beginning. Amen? Amen. Um, don't look for it in position or wealth. You know, we talked some about the rich young ruler. Um, you know, the fact that Jesus asked him to sell all he had and give it to the poor, sometimes that's overemphasized. What Jesus was really getting at is, where's your heart at? 
If your heart is in what you have, then you can never completely surrender to what he has for you because you're always going to be pulling back towards that thing. So whether it's money or relationship or position or whatever that is, we've got to be willing to release that and choose Jesus, choose our purpose. Uh, Judas was another example. Judas had every opportunity that the other 11 disciples had. He, had the, he saw the ministry of Jesus. He saw the miracles of Jesus. He witnessed the, the unimaginable over and over again. Yet when it came to the end, what would be the end of Judas's life, he chose money over purpose. Judas could have had an, an unimaginable end that exceeded any of the other disciples. But he turned his back on his purpose and he had his, his value and his, his, um, his wealth as a higher priority than what his God-given purpose was. Take inventory of yourself. Look at your passions, your talents, and your abilities. So look at the things that when you get up in the morning, you're excited to do, you know? Yes, you know, my daughter, she's constantly coloring and drawing and creating these you know, very inventive little, uh, like the other day, she got, a, she got some paper out and she built a sled out of cardboard paper for her little stuffed animals and drug it around the house. Um, but look at, look at the things that you like to do. Look at the things that, because the indication there is that those, those things are there for a reason. They're not just there accidentally. They're there because God put that in you, all right? So if you have a desire to, to sing or if you have a desire to draw or you have a desire to, to minister to others, like whatever those passions or those desires are that you have, explore those. There's a good chance that within those things, God can help you see the picture of your purpose and where to start. Another thing, another practical thing is just simply to believe God, um, God gives promises in his word uh, pertaining to his will for us. And one of those that's, you guys know it, but I, I just want to kind of underscore it for you again, is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Amen? Amen. One thing my wife is so good at, you know, have you ever heard of t- the Bible referred to as like spiritual medicine? Have you ever heard that? So if you're struggling in an area, find a scripture that you can take as your medicine. Um, not too long ago, my daughter, she's in that competitive cheer stuff, which I still don't completely understand, but there's a lot of pink, glitter, loud music, um, and I generally have to sit for hours for a two-and-a-half-minute performance, um, but that's what I know. Um, so I'm still learning all the terminology and stuff, but she, was really, she went through a little stretch where she lost her confidence, and she wasn't hitting her stunts, and she was scared to even attempt some of them. Um, it shook her. I mean, there was crying, and you know, Elena was trying to to help her work through it. I was doing what I could. I couldn't talk that language, so I was kind of just there to hug and hold. Um, but what Elena did was so good, and she's done this really throughout our life. I think I probably mentioned it before, but she took a bunch of scriptures related to overcoming fear. Um, and the specifics of Kara's situation. And she posted those things around her mirror, uh, above her bed, in her bathroom, around the mirror, everywhere where Kara could see them. And Kara knew that her responsibility is when she saw those things to read them and speak them over her life. And it wasn't two weeks later that Kara got over the hump. And she's actually leaped past the hump. Matter of fact, yesterday they had a competition. I couldn't make it. Um, but there's a skill called a punch front. Have you ever, you guys familiar with this? Okay, a couple. <laughs> All right, I, I don't know what that is, but um, I know that she's been having a lot of trouble with it. And it's right at the beginning of their routine, and so the last couple, she's kind of landed on her tush trying to do it. And yesterday, for the first time in competition, she nailed it. And she got home last night, and that was the first thing she wanted to tell me. She sprinted up to me and said, Dad, I got my punch front! <laughs> and so we celebrated... Um, but the point of telling you that is uh, use God's word as your medicine. Use it to get the root deep 
the deep-seated root of God's word and purpose in your heart. Amen? Uh, ask for it. So do you think, I mean, do you really think, think about this, do you really think, really know that God really wants to give you your purpose? I mean, I know it sounds rhetorical, but you really need to believe that. Do you believe that he really wants to give that to you? He absolutely does. As much as he wants to give you salvation, that next gift of purpose is no less significant in terms, because it doesn't just affect you. It affects others, uncount, uncounted others, you know, depending on what that purpose is that we're all working to try to discover. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you and will to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Amen? Next thing I want to bring to your attention uh, is leave your comfort zone. All right? Stop playing it so safe. We have a, a culture, society, that is paralyzed to make a mistake, don't we? By and large. We'd rather sit in the corner and let the world go by than stick our neck out there and have a bad moment, all right, or make a mistake. Um, I read an article probably several months ago now. Um, it was about Pixar. <clears throat> they have a company value on, of failure. So like if you work for them, they talk about regularly at every level of their organization, how much have you failed? And this is truth. This, I researched it just... After I read the article, I was like, okay, now you got me. i got to see what this is all about. But basically, what they're looking for in every layer of their organization is that you're trying, you're pushing the envelope. Because if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. And I would give you that same challenge as a church and as an individual. If you're not failing at anything, you may not be trying hard enough. Because failure builds a platform for success. And I can tell you from a lot of failure that the ability to walk through that failure and have God walk beside me through that failure built me up to a place that I could stand on top of it and begin to see his success. Amen? I know we kind of make fun about the whole everybody gets a trophy thing, um, but that's why failure is good sometimes because we need to feel like loss and feel the motivation to do better, want to do better. And that's a natural, healthy, God-given thing. We need to feel sometimes that sense of disappointment so that we can pray and lean on him because we need him. We need him desperately. We can't, do, we can't fulfill our purpose by ourselves. If you can, it's probably not all that he has for you because God will only give you things that you need him for. Have you ever experienced that, some of you? All right. Another thing I would, uh, I would offer you is ask yourself if you're dissatisfied. So just real quick, you can take this a lot of different ways. I've, I've talked before on discontentment. This isn't that. Dissatisfaction is a, a lacking of fulfillment. So like if you finish your, your day's work or your week's work or, or whatever that looks like, and there's this void that still kind of exists, like you feel... I just, I'm not fulfilled. Like, what I'm doing, I just don't feel like that's, it's everything, you know? That can be a holy discontentment. Um, but you really have to seek God about that and make sure that that's something that, that God's leading you through. Because sometimes God, you know, if you ever heard the expression, sometimes he rattles the nest to get you out, you know? Um, like the baby eagle does, they kind of get brutal about it, but... Um, <laughs> But sometimes he'll make the nest, they'll put the thorns in the nest to get you uncomfortable and to let you feel a little bit of a, like the cat, you know, being petted backwards, like, man, just gets you uncomfortable in thinking about, you know, is there more? And that's a healthy thing. It's something, though, that you have to really pray about. You have to seek God about. And you have to ask him for clarity in. Um, this is probably the biggest that I have. This isn't an exhaustive list, but the next one is, is probably one of the biggest and that is, serve others. Listen to this quote, because this is kind of, we have a value here, uh, save people, serve people. And that's not just something we say, we really do mean it. If you are saved, that next step, 
is serving. It's just, it's a logical progression. But listen, this quote kind of encapsulates what I want you to take away from this point. It is impossible, impossible to find your purpose serving yourself. Can't do it. If all of your life is built around you, you have a problem. And we've all been there on some level, so it's not a condemning statement, guys. We live in a very narcissistic society, don't we? Everything's built around what I want, what I can get. Um, you know, not to foray into the political realm too much, but uh, whether it's Republican side or Democratic side, before it, when it wasn't looking good, you know, before the election, there's a bunch of crybabies, <laughs> and then when it went the other way, there's even more crybabies. So it's like um, the, the the point of that is. We, if we don't understand that it's not about us, then you've missed the whole point, right? It's not just about going to heaven. Now, that is absolutely essential. Would you all agree? We, we got saved because we certainly want the eternal promise of life with him. But there's so much more. And, and because our life is such a small sliver of eternity, I mean, it's it's a vapor, James said, a mist. But this mist means a lot because it means a lot to other people. And our purpose here and our value on this planet is, is wrapped up in us realizing it's not about me. It's about everybody else. It's about serving other people. You look at the ministry of Jesus. There wasn't one solitary thing that you'll ever find in Scripture of Jesus turning inward. Everything he did was serving other people, healing, delivering, ministering to, teaching, preaching, pulling, pulling people out of horrible situ- life situations, ministering to people like the woman at the well. Everything he did was out. If everything that you do or most everything you do is focused on you, what you want, the car you want, the house you want, the, the thing you want, um, again, it's not bad to have things, but don't let them have you. And if all of your effort and your life's ambition is centered around that, then you've got your priorities out of whack. And you're not going to be able to find your purpose there. You see that? We talk about next steps a lot here. That's the last one I'm going to bring to you is take your next step. Why do we talk about that? At the end of every newscast, we say, what's your next step? Right? Pastor Marty says it quite a lot too. We have it out here on the, uh, as you walk in the entrance. Why is that so important to us? Because we know if you take a next step, you're taking a little step closer to Jesus, a little step closer to your purpose, and a little st- step closer to God being able to reveal your unique gift to the body of Christ. That's what it's all about. You see that? Um, Pastor James spoke a couple of weekends ago about the one thing. How many remember that? Maybe your one thing for 2017 is finding your purpose. I would just submit that to you. If you don't know or if you're unsure, there's a, that's a good thing to pray for. Amen? Last thing before I wrap up. Your, your purpose isn't finite, okay? So it's progressive. What I mean by that is, let's, like for me example, let's say... Um, you know, God said, hey, Mark, your purpose is playing the drums, okay? So I took my step, I played the drums, and I'm waiting for Jesus to come. I'm done. Fulfill my purpose. No. What God does is he, he gives you progression. So you take a step, and you fulfill that part of your purpose, and then you take another step as he reveals it, and you take that next step, and he reveals more of your purpose. And we never finish, Right? From now until he comes back to get us, we will never complete our purpose. But that doesn't stop him from opening it wide up for us, right? He's given a, he'll give us everything we need in the moment. So as we take that next step, he shows us a little more. And guess what? He's right there with us. He doesn't leave us out there to dry. He doesn't kind of push you out on the ledge and then step back. He stands there with you holding your hand. Every time you take a step, he's right there with you. Amen? I grew up, um, there was, I had a lot of um, self-confidence issues. I had a lot of 
um, image and, and, and just generally I didn't see myself the way that God saw me. I, I dealt with severe issues in the area of procrastination. Anybody ever dealt with that here? Oh man, I feel better. Thank you. No, it's 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 something that it can be debilitating. Um, it it was something I battled for for a long time. I was that kid that was always waiting until the last possible moment to write the term paper. All right, I was always the one waiting to the last second to study for the test. I know none of you are like that, but that was something that it took away identity from me. It stole from me because I was always fighting it. Until one day I just prayed. I was like, God, I need your help with this. Like, I don't know how to fix this. And it caused a lot of negative feelings about myself. Um, I was a little overweight, especially younger. And so I had self-image issues and I had all this other going on. Marty was always a real outgoing, outspoken one. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. (laughs) And and I was was the quiet one that was always content just to kind of hang back. The fact that, that God has me in this position now kind of cracks me up a little bit because I told God I never wanted to be a preacher. And I still say I'm not, but, um, but the more and more you know, I, I've got an opportunity to do this, the more I enjoy it because it's a next step for me. It's another part of my purpose that he wants me to explore. And you know, when, I, when I started early on in my ministry life, if you will, Marty and I were co-youth pastoring. I remember the first time I got up to speak um, in front of our youth group, my mouth went dry. I was clearing my throat all the time. My s- hands were like ringing with sweat. <laughs> I had sweat pouring out of every pore on my body. Felt like, um, and but you know, and it was a mess. Just quite honestly, those poor kids. Um, Marty was always so good. He was so funny, and they would always, oh yeah, oh Mark's turn to preach. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but you know what? I stuck it out, and I did it a little more, and I prayed a lot. It's like, God, help me not do that again. <laughs> you know? And little by little, he kind of helped me and walked me through that. And that's what your good father does for you. He'll walk with you every step of the way. Um, I've never felt closer or more connected to my purpose than I do right now. And that's what we want for all of us, for all of you guys. We want everybody to be right smack dab in the middle of what God's asked you and called for you to do. So wrapping up, I want you to use your imagination for a second, okay? So I want you to think about when you were a child growing up, that one or two gifts in your mind that sticks out to you, that you wanted so badly for Christmas, right? Get it in your head. You want it so badly that you would sprint down the hallway to get it right? Like those two guys. (laughs) Now, a quick note on this picture before I continue. Uh, I don't know why I'm wearing pink pajamas. (laughs) Uh, My mother and I talked about this photo for a little bit, because in my mind, I remembered the photo. I was like, that's the photo I want to use. And then when she showed it to me, I was like, why am I wearing pink pajamas? And she said, you know, son, I have no idea. She said, we, we used hand-me-downs a lot back then, so it could have been your cousin Leanne's, or it could have been whomever. Uh, she said, but the other thing I can't figure out is why I had uh, Marty with a rope around his neck and his uh, little pacifier on it. Uh, that seemed a little dangerous, look, looking back. But nonetheless, the picture I want you to take away from this is when you were, this is, I think I was three, and Pastor Marty was one at this time. Um, But I want you to imagine that scene in your mind when you were growing up, when you were sprinting down the hallway to open up that Christmas present that you were thinking, that you were hoping that you had, what was it? Was it underwear and socks? No, none of us ever enjoy getting underwear and socks, did we? My, my, My lovely grandmother, who's gone on to be with Jesus, every year... She would get us underwear and socks. And one year I got E.T. underoos. That, that, was, that was a little better, but um, didn't know quite what to do with it, but except, thanks, Grandma. Um, but I'd be willing to bet that the, the gift that came to mind when I asked you to kind of pull that from your memory banks, it was probably something uh, deeply personal. It was probably something intimate. 
or it was something that you, your parents knew you desired, that was a desire of your heart, right? That thing. For me, it was a year later after this picture was taken, so it was when I was four. For me, when I was, and when I was in that age, um, of that age, I was the kid that was going in the kitchen, pulling out all the Tupperware, all the pots and pans, and using my mom's spoons and, and beating them to death, and really generally annoying the snot out of my parents. <laughs> okay? Um, I would also tap on tables, I would tap on chairs, I would uh, generally just make noise all over the place. And so that Christmas came, and I sprinted into the living room, and there it was, my first drum set. And it had my initials, MDS, on the front of it. And I, they had to pry me off of that thing to get me to open my other presents, because that was the thing that I, that I wanted. Now, why in the world, what would possess my parents, who were so annoyed by my habit of drumming, to get me drums for Christmas? Why would they do that? Because they love me. And because they saw that in my heart. And they said, you know what? It's going to be bad, and it's going to be annoying sometimes. It's going to be noisy. But that's what Mark wants, and that's what we're going to get him. You guys have a picture of that gift in your mind? Matthew seven eleven says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? So if your parents were that good, or maybe they weren't. Maybe you didn't have parents who who really put thought into it, or maybe um, you had a rough childhood. I know a lot of my close friends have had that experience. You have a heavenly Father who wants nothing more than to give you the very, very best. And if you haven't received him in your heart as your Savior, he's got the gift of salvation for you. But if you've received that gift already, he's got another one for you. And it's your purpose. What if I told you that it's already been picked out, it's already been wrapped up, before you were even born, it's just been waiting under his tree for you to unwrap it. It's individually tailored, it's selected to exactly fit your nature, your unique abilities, your passions, and that exclusive place that you and only you occupy in this world. All you have to do is just turn around, receive it, unwrap it, and choose it. Amen? Everyone stand with me if you would. Talking today about the gift of Christmas purpose. I mentioned before, it's, it's the center of everything that we do here at Pathway. As, as one of the founding elders, every November when we go away to elders retreat, here's what I can promise you happens. When we talk about ministry for the next year, and we talk about recap of the previous year, what we talk about is how those things helped our people connect to purpose. That is in the conversation. So in this upcoming year, we're kind of revamping, but we, we've felt very strongly that one of the things God wants us to, to uh, put back into play and to kind of uh, in, reintroduce to you guys is, is in the area of freedom ministry. Now, the reason that's important, you know, obviously we, one of our values is free people, free people. But one of the reasons that's important is because if you better understand you and you learn to forgive maybe some hurtful things that have happened in your life or maybe things that have shaped you or even kind of colored you in a way that you see reality uh, different than maybe God would see it for you. We want you to be healed. We want you to be whole. Because ultimately, we know that if you are healed and you are whole and you're walking in his purpose, that there's life there. That it's hard to have a bad day when you're walking in his purpose, even if it's a hard day. It's hard to have a bad day when you're walking in the middle of God's will. Amen? I'm, you know, I mentioned first step. You know, we do a spiritual assessment. We do a personality assessment. Why do we do all those things? Because we want, to the very best of our ability, to help you see you. All right? We want you to see 
what God sees. And sometimes we just need a little help, right? So we do those and we do that. We have life groups because we want you to be connected with people that are of like mind, like interests, have similar passions, similar place in life, where iron can sharpen iron, and ultimately where you can be encouraged and lifted up and, and encouraged when you fail and when you have a bad day because we're all going to have them, right? Um, I loved what Pastor Julie did this year with Sapphire. You know, the Superwoman series was, all of it was built around the idea of letting women of purpose that have had God speak to them in an area share their journey and inspire other women to see that purpose and see that value and explore their own. We had the Radiant Conference where the whole theme of it was hearing, releasing your voice, you know, your unique voice into the earth and allowing God to work in that, allowing God to pull that out of you, right? I could go on children's ministry, switch. Everything that we do around here is built around helping you guys connect to the Father, hear him for yourself, and live out your unique purpose in this life. Amen? Bow your heads with me, if you would, please.